The following audio is from Restoration Southside Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where our mission is to restore people and places through outreach, authenticity, and sacrifice. For more information, visit restorationsouthside.org. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself the first blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown in the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, and puts out large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. You may be seated. We're in kindergarten through fifth grade and would like to go to the children's church. Please join our volunteers over by the kids zone sign. If it's your child's first time in children's church, please go with them so we can get them checked in. Thank you, Maya. Um, If you're up for reading scripture, we're serving in the nursery, serving in the children's ministry or the student ministry, greeting, singing, playing. I assure you, whatever uh, is on your heart and a way to serve, we've got that way for you to serve. So you can sign up to serve in our app and we encourage you to do that. It's actually a really easy way to make friends too if you're new to the church because you join into a rhythm with somebody and then you look up in a couple of weeks and your buddies. So <clears throat> serving is a great way to get connected to the church, uh, even signing up. <clears throat> um, we continue our study of Mark and this passage and the one before it is particularly significant because Mark doesn't use a lot of parables from Jesus. Mark's sort of the action story of Jesus immediately 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 it just keeps going all the action and it doesn't have a ton of teaching from jesus in it and so since he has so little of the teaching portion of jesus's words in here we should do well to pay close attention to those words and that's what we're going to try and do today it's actually what we're going to be challenged to to do so but just so you know where we're going We'll start with the ending. The church of God as individuals, and more importantly, together as a family, is supposed to provide shade. And I don't mean like throwing shade on people. I mean like provide shade like a tree for the world. For those who are far off, for those who think they're not good enough, for those who think they're too much of a mess, the church is supposed to provide shade meaning the world is hot and angry out there. 
And the church is actually supposed to be so strong and so missional that people that disagree with us want to be near to us. Even if they think we're crazy, because they know their life will be a little better if we're involved in it. So today we're going to talk about how Jesus is the lamp and what it means that His Word is sown into the ground and what it means that the church is supposed to be the tree that provides shade for those who are far away. So let's pray, and I'll ask God to bless our study of His Word this morning. Lord, would You have mercy on me, a sinner? I thank You and I praise You for Your Word, and I ask that You would move powerfully within Your Word this morning within these, your people. That for those who are far off, they would be deeply encouraged and welcomed. For those who have forgotten what you're really like, that we would be refreshed. Father, we need you to move. Otherwise, this is just a silly exercise that religious people do. But if your spirit's in this room, comforting and challenging, bringing life, bringing hope. If your spirit's in this room, it'll change everything. I am bankrupt. We need your spirit. Would you kindly and powerfully work among us? It's in Jesus' name that we sit. We pray. Amen. Stop reading your Bible. Those are the words that I said to a young man several years ago who every time he opened his Bible... All he could see in it was that there seems to be a person who gets grace and forgiveness, and then there's a person who gets condemnation and devastation. And every time he read the Bible, all he could see is it was if his name was attached to the name of condemnation. Now, to be fair, I don't tell people not to read their Bible very often. In fact, I think you should read your Bible. But the point was for him is that he had such a view, such a lens of the Bible in which all he could see is the condemnation offered by God to sinners. And that's all he could get. And so for a moment, he needed to take away his personal access to it and listen to other people teach him because his personal understanding of it wasn't good enough. It was making things worse. Now I don't give that out as a prescription very often. But I tell you that to say is that what Jesus tells us here is to listen very carefully. Did you hear it in there? He says, if anyone has ears, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear. And what I was trying to demonstrate for this young man is that he read the entire Bible, the God of the universe, creating and making things good and calling them good. God of the universe pursuing His people and rescuing them and forgiving them and drawing near to them. The God of the Bible speaking up for His people. The God of the Bible wanting His people to actually grow and expand to be the blessing to all of the world. That's what Abraham was told. I will bless you so that you can be a blessing. So that the people who are the furthest away from God's people would be brought in so that God could give them grace. God could give them forgiveness. God could give them a new identity. 
And reading through all of that, all he could get was, I'm the condemned one. What I want you to see is that the Bible is serious. And it calls you to listen very carefully. If anyone who has ears, let them hear. Because if you hear what my friend heard, you're missing the message. To listen very carefully at what the Bible is saying. And we all struggle to understand the Bible to some measure. The three things I'm going to walk us through quickly this morning is that Jesus is the lamp himself that he references in this story. And that the next two little vignettes are about the power of the Word of God. The power of the Word of God to rescue people. And the power of the Word of God to transform people. And the power of the Word of God to send those people to the nations. To do what Israel did not do, which was, I'm calling you together, not because you're so large, not because you're so special. I'm calling you together because you're so little. You're so insignificant. In that way, all the people who you go and get will know that You're my people if you know that you're little and insignificant. We as the church are called to do what they didn't do. So first of all, I want you to see this. The secret is to be revealed. The secret is to be revealed. Look with me in verses 21 through 25. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention what you hear. The measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. And from one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now, there are stories that Jesus is kind of telling us to be lights in the world. And those stories are real and they happen, but this isn't that story. This is the story where Jesus is telling them that He Himself is the lamp. Now, here's, here's what's going on here. If you remember the last couple of weeks, Jesus keeps healing people and then He tells them, don't go tell anybody. Don't go tell anybody. Or He tells a, a story and He hides the meaning of the story, and then he pulls the disciples aside and he tells them the meaning of the story. There's this secretness, this non-disclosedness, this non-revealedness. And so that his people don't get the wrong idea that this secretness, this non-revealedness is so that a small group of people can get the gospel and keep the gospel and hoard it for themselves. That's not what it was about. It was about there are certain things Jesus himself wants to accomplish before His end comes. And so there's a certain order in which He wants to do things. But the purpose was never for the secret to be kept forever. And that's what He's telling His disciples here. Don't be confused. Just because my agenda has some mystery in it doesn't mean that we are going to keep this secret to ourselves. That's what He's saying. Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? He said, instead, don't you put it on its stand. For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. And whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. What he's saying is the secret season of Jesus' ministry is short. 
and the light of the world is about to shine for everyone. That's what he's saying. And so he's saying, listen carefully. Listen carefully. Watch what I do very carefully. He's saying the light, me, is going to light up the darkness. And I think that's significant. Because there's an element in our hearts, even in my heart, I promise you, that feels like, yes, Christians may be right and may be saved ultimately, but nobody else is ever going to agree with us. Nobody else is ever going to ultimately uh, assent to what we've been saying. That it'll be this small, secret group of people that get to appreciate who Jesus is and what He's done, and everybody else sort of will be on the outside of an inside joke. And Jesus is saying to His followers and to His enemies, trust me, every single one of you will believe. Every single one of you will have to encounter who I am, whether it's now or whether it's too late. He's saying the light will move into the darkness. So, the kid, my kiddos' grandparents are in town and they're helping us out with a busy weekend of soccer and a men's retreat. But they brought flashlights. They always bring treats or gifts for the kiddos. And they brought flashlights. And so we turned off all the lights in the house. And I was locked into a room and count to 100. And then I come out with a flashlight and we look for the kids in the pitch black of our house. My house is not huge. And it took forever. When it's really dark and all you have is a little flashlight, it takes forever. But I was going to find those children because I wanted them to go to bed and the game would end when they would go to bed. No, I'm going to find those children. By wandering through my house and the people in the dark want to stay in the dark. The longer they're there, the later the hour is getting. They do not want to be found, but make no mistake, me with the light is going to find them. And that's what he's saying here. Is that yes, there's a season of secretness, but make no mistake, there is a season in which Jesus is coming and all will know. All will encounter the greatness of the lion and the lamb. All will see the glory of God and His plan of redemption. All will see His grace poured out for those who bow to knee. All will see. It won't be a secret. It won't be the thing that Christians are like, hey, yeah, I do believe this, but I don't want to talk about it because it's so embarrassing that I believe this. All will be laid bare. Jesus is saying the light is here. And it's going to win. I'm going to win. And that's important for us to remember. It's important. Remember in Philippians 2, it says, He who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Remember this part. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name so that every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every knee will bow. 
At that point, it's not whether you agree or disagree or have different perspective on things. Every knee at that point will bow. I encourage you to bow now. Say, I don't get it all. In fact, Jesus, I don't even like it all. But I'm bowing now because everyone's ultimately going to encounter this and I'd rather encounter it now. I'll humble myself so that you lift me up. He's saying the secret will, will no longer be a secret. The glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the oceans do. And he's saying, you can trust in this now. Don't wait till then. The application I have for you is that we as Christians have to listen carefully. We who are standing on the outside have to listen carefully. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. That means that you're supposed to come and give yourselves to the Word of God. Now, I know there's some of you in the room who just thought, oh, here it is. Now I have to feel all this shame because I'm not good at reading my Bible. I don't want you to feel that way. For 1,500 years, people didn't have Bibles. When He wants you to focus on the Word of God, Jesus, and the Word of God in the coming parables that we see, He's talking about the preached Word. That's all the people of God, the poor people of God all over the earth had for 1,500 years is the preached Word. And so they didn't have devotions and Bible verses. Now, we do have those things, and we should take advantage of them. You should listen to those things on your, on your phones. You should read them with your eyes. But those are the vitamins. The preached Word is the main meal. Now, I know that's easy for me to say. But honestly, I'm not cooking it. I just get to hand it out. I get to hand out the main meal that says God justifies the wicked. Jesus came for the sick. God will slowly transform your life that your, your life can be about something more than your problems. And then ultimately, there'll be no shame or tears or, or pain. All of the bad stuff will be gone and will stand and lift our voices to the lion and to the lamb, to the one who came for sinners. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. The light will shine in the darkness. Don't wait till it's too late. And for us as Christians, those that do actually believe, those that have bowed a knee, he's saying, live like it. We treat the gospel like it's something embarrassing that we don't hope doesn't come up at work. Something embarrassing that we hope doesn't come up at work. Hudson Taylor was once a famous missionary to China, was once ministering to this person who had given himself to Confucianism and several other global religions. And he finally comes to faith and rest in Jesus Christ. And he says to Hudson Taylor, Oh, this is the greatest news ever, and I've never found rest in any other religion. Hudson Taylor says, I'm so glad. And he said, how long have the English people had this news? And embarrassed, Hudson Taylor looks down and he says, well, for several hundred years. 
And the new convert looked at Hudson Taylor and said, you've had this news for several hundred years and we're just now hearing about it. The point isn't to shame you. The point is to invite you into something better. That we've got news that would transform the world and we're so embarrassed about it. We can't talk about it with our neighbors and our friends. And he's saying he is the light. He is going to win. Every knee shall bow. So let's be a part of bringing light to the world. Let's go and find those hiding in the dark that don't want to be found. That's what Jesus does. So that's the first parable, and I know we need to move quickly. Jesus is the lamp, and he is not going to hide. He is going to be revealed. Every knee will bow. But then the next stories he uses is about Jesus is the Word with a capital W. These are stories of the Word, like the Bible, the written Word. The, lo- <laughs> the written Word. Um, the Word that is preached and understood by us. The Word that changes our lives. So look with me in verses 26 to 29. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground, and he sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grow, he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. But he's saying here, Jesus is the Word, and His Word, the Bible for us, has power even though it's mysterious. It has power even though it's mysterious. He scatters seed on the ground. He goes to sleep, rises the next day, and their seed sprouts and it grows and he knows not how. And it says this, so the guy doesn't even get how farming works, but he's a farmer. It doesn't matter to him. He puts the seed down, something comes up. And it says the earth produces by itself. Some translations say, and all by itself, First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. The first thing I want you to see is that the, power, the word has power all by itself. The seed can't make itself grow. It's, it's the earth that has power all by itself. And what he's saying here is, is that the word is supposed to be spread by his people, but his people don't have what it takes to make the word, the power, turn on. That means our job is not to go around and rescue and save people because we don't have the power to. Our job is to go around gently, humbly, and with the right posture, spread the seed, knowing that we don't have the power to activate it, but our job is still to spread the seed. But that the power itself is... It will work. Even though it's mysterious, the Word has power. The Word has power. That means that when I'm up here preaching and and I'm sharing God's Word with you, I trust that the Holy Spirit is doing things in your heart. If you're a believer, He's tugging on things, tapping on things, whispering to you. Not like you're a crazy person whispering, but kind of drawing your attention the things in your life that you need to be grateful for or comforted in or convicted of. And if you're not a believer, I have trust the Holy Spirit is at work on you. Turning 
you towards himself. But the point is, is the word has power, even though it's mysterious. All by itself, it starts to happen. Man scatters seed on the ground. He rises day and night and the seed sprouts, grows. He knows not how. The word of God has power to change you. So get near it. Get near it. If you're overwhelmed with your lack of Christian behavior, well, try harder. Come to the means of grace, the word, the sacraments, prayer. Come and say, I don't have any power. I've been at this a while. I can't, I can't change my heart. Or for those of you who don't know God, you're coming and saying, I know I've tried to do well. I've tried to be faithful. I've at least tried to be a good person. And I can't. I don't have the power. And it's as if God is looking at you saying, of course you don't have the power. It says clearly in here, all by itself. So you're saying, well, this, this is no fun. You're telling me that I'm supposed to grow. I'm supposed to change. I'm supposed to be transformed. And at the same time, you're telling me that I'm supposed to, that I can't do it myself. That's exactly what I'm telling you. It's so that you would come, Christian and those who don't understand or don't want this for themselves, either one, that you would come and you would hold your hands out and say, I'm bankrupt. The changes I've tried to work in my life, I always go back to the old stuff. I try to pray, I can't. I try to read, I can't. I try to fight lust and pornography. I try to fight all of the things that are wrong with me sexually, all the things that are wrong with my pride and my greed. I try to change and I can't. Someone else has to do it. And Jesus goes, now you've got it. That you would stand before him bankrupt and say, I cannot do this. And he's like, I know. And I'm so glad you get that now. That's the point, is that you don't have the power. And for those of you who don't yet know Jesus or don't know him at all and aren't interested, I would encourage you. You say, it's not fair. I'm supposed to have this life and I can't, I can't get it. You're in the same place as we are. We come bankrupt, hands open, and saying, I want to change, and I can't. And he goes, I know, and I'll change you. The Word has power all itself. Your rehabilitation life for your, your sin, it's not going to work. The Word and the means of grace of God telling you who He is and who you are, that's what will change you. God has the power to change you. But this is really important too. This is the analogy Jesus uses to let us know how exciting and dynamic it's going to be to change. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. Jesus wants us to know that changing in the Christian life is so exciting, He can compare it to farming. And He chose that very specifically. Because any farmer or any person in that day that didn't have the technology knew, knew we had to put something in the ground and trust that something was going to happen. And then if something did happen, it was going to happen slowly. 
What we as Christians measure our spiritual change, our sanctification, as it's often called, our spiritual change in 24-hour increments. And he's saying you need a slower analogy. Your change is going to be ordinary and slow and unimpressive. Stop beating up on yourself that you're not fully changed yet. God said that it was going to take your whole life long. That's why He chose this exciting farming analogy. Sanctification goes slowly. And in my experience, it doesn't go in the order that you want it to. That means that you could be like, I'm going to fight this sin. This sin really bothers me. I'm going to get rid of it. You won't make any progress for a while. And then you'll realize you're praying more and you're more dependent upon Him because you're fighting that sin and that you're more soft to others because you're fighting that sin and losing that battle. And you're like, I didn't want you to work on all of this. I wanted to work on this. Sanctification happens slowly. So stop beating up on yourself and adjust your expectations. Christian growth is slow, dramatically slow. For instance, if you give in to some sin, like I could give in to some sin, if you give in to some sin, the devil's voice will say, look at how you're still doing this. You haven't grown at all. And Jesus' voice will sound like this. Look how much this bothers you now. This never used to bother you. You have grown so much. Do you hear it? This fatherly, wise, kind person who's for you and's got your back when you fail and when you succeed. Either way, you've grown so much. I was in seminary and this guy was preaching about how slow change comes in the Christian life in our in one of our classes, and he was talking about how that feeling that you have when you're so guilty and so lost and so embarrassed of yourself, and how in those moments, we tend to conclude, God must be so far from me right now, so far. And he was saying, friends, you don't understand it at all. The reason that you feel so guilty and so low and so discouraged in that moment is because God is so close to you. It's because the work of the Spirit is so profound in your life. That's why you feel the way that you feel. And then comes the comfort of the gospel. Christian change is small and ordinary and slow is how the kingdom always grows. We'll, I know we're running late. We'll do this lastly, the mustard seed. Look with me in 30 through 34. And he said, what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds in the earth. That when it is sown, it grows up and becomes much longer than all, sorry, larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. So he says, I'm the word, I'm the lamp, I'm going to light up the whole world and everyone will see. And then he says, if you want to change, you can't do it. The power of the word has to move itself. And when it starts to move, have slow, long expectations. And he says, but 
when you start to believe as individual and as a community, the small little faith, the small bit of word goes into the ground and it blows up into this huge tree. Erin taught this last week in children's church and, and she found pictures of the mustard tree. Excuse me. <coughs> right into my mic. That was awesome. She found this picture of these mustard trees and she said they are so large that there are herds of elk hiding under them in the shade. And the picture is so far away to capture it that the elk look tiny. In other words, this little thing that we think is so insignificant, this, okay, I believe, I trust, I don't get it, but I believe. This little bit of faith goes down into the ground and dies. And then up comes the strong tree of faith that provides other shade. It starts small, but it then begins to provide shade. Yet when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so the birds of the air can make nests in the shade. The birds of the air is a reference to those that don't agree or believe. Because remember, the Christian is the mustard seed. So the Christian exists to provide shade for those who are on the outside. Is that our reputation? We are supposed to be shade for those who don't know us or agree with us. That in this neighborhood and in this city, we would provide shade for those who so desperately need it. That that in this neighborhood, in this city, those that are experiencing difficulty of poverty and insufficient education, those who are lost and lonely and discouraged and shamed, that they would want to come and be near us, not because they agreed with everything that we said, but because they thought, whatever they believe, I find that my burdens are a little lighter, I'm a little more loved, I'm a little more safe near those people than I was before they were here. And that's what the church is supposed to be not shouting at people for not being changed when they can't change themselves, but instead loving them and being shade for them in such a way that maybe some would put their trust in Christ and even those that don't, that they would have a more manageable, livable life because they were near us. If you don't believe, you are the most important people in this room. And whether you never agree with me, please take advantage of the fact that you're safe here. That there's shade for you in this room and in this church. And if you do trust in Christ, I'd encourage you rather than live a life of sin management. I did good, I did bad. Oh, I did pretty good for a while. No, I did pretty bad for a while. Rather than live a life of sin management, ask yourself, what shade am I providing to the world? How is me and my church providing shade for those who so desperately need it. My friend Kyle Delk said it this way, basically loving our neighbors, creating shade for them, giving our time and talents and our money so that they can live a more manageable, loving, lo lovable life because they're near to us. One of the great commentators of our time said, if a church disappeared overnight, 
when someone started banging on its door. No. The church did That's probably one of my sons, so don't feel bad. If a church disappeared overnight, what would the neighbors around the church say? Would the people miss the church that had disappeared overnight? Question you might have. What if I sit here every week and I don't fully understand? I'm listening. I even take notes. I don't fully understand. First of all, that's offensive because I'm a very clear teacher. I'm just kidding. It's not offensive at all. Not offensive at all. Did you hear it? But privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. The 12 dudes who are his best friends don't get it. Whoa. The 12 dudes who are his best friends don't get it. They don't get it. They just keep following him and keep listening and keep following and keep listening and keep following and keep listening. If you're here every week and you don't get it, I'm so glad you're here. Those closest to him don't get it all the time. And second of all, you're still here. You're still coming. You're acting like the disciples. I don't get it, but I'm listening. I don't get it, but I'm listening. Last thing. Tim Keller is a church planner in New York and now quite a famous Christian. And he loves to evangelize. And he was meeting with this woman who life had been hard to. This is years ago. And she was sharing with him about all the brokenness and sin and suffering and loneliness she had experienced. And she said, and I know, and I'm looking for your God. I'm looking for him. I, I'm, I'm reading the things you tell me to read. I'm listening to your sermons. I'm looking for God, and I'm afraid I'm not going to find him. And like I said earlier, the sermon to the young man, Keller looked at her, took a breath and said, ma'am, quit looking for Jesus. Quit looking for Jesus. Maybe he'll find you. He said he hadn't seen the woman for a couple of months and he ran into her on the street and her eyes immediately flashed with tears. And she said, Tim, he found me. He found me. If you're afraid that you're looking and you're reading and you're learning, but you don't get it, that you're bankrupt and you can't find him, my friends, he will find you just as he has found me. Let's pray. Jesus, for those in the room who need their chin lifted from shame and suffering, would you lift it? Would you move in by the Spirit in the ways that you know that need to be moved? And thank you. We're listening. We're listening carefully. But we're bankrupt. Would you move? It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. We're listening. We're listening carefully. But we're bankrupt. Would you move? It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.